I pray for your wisdom, your strength, your ability to flow freely, O oh Lord. So this book reading be a blessing to somebody, whatever it is heard, O oh Lord. Let it be a blessing, encouragement, inspiration. In the name of Jesus, amen. How the Lord Built the Redeemer Church There was a brother named Roberto Mata in Bethel Church in Houston who appeared to be wise with some street smarts in his Christian and his spiritual experiences. He observed me closely when I first arrived at this old and divided church. He gave me practical advice and told me to be careful in dealing with certain situations and people. He took a liking to me, and he helped me all the time I was at Bethel. He was concerned for me when the concilio situation started to come to his attention in the spring and summer of 1961. In the early summer, he seriously predicted that I will be out of the concilio very soon. When I heard him say that to me, I became angry at him and told him that there was nothing that would make me leave the concilio and that he was completely wrong. Since that time, I tried to avoid him as I went through the last days at Bethel. He came to my last service and saw how I was treated. The person authorized by the presbyter had orders to receive the church and for me not to say much, if anything at all. Since my first day back in California, I began to think that Norberto Mata could be right but I avoided those thoughts. My plans of seeing the California Presbyter Pete Preciado the next day after I arrived changed the first night in town when my mother-in-law reported to me what was going on since I left Houston. The next day or two after we unpacked the trailer I went to look for a job at the plating company that I had worked in 1955 to 1956. They gave me a job as a metal plater, a trade that I had practiced for two years while at seminary. The job was at night from 3.30 p.m. to 1 a.m. This job and ours kept me away from any church activities at night, but I purposely stay away from everything having to do with church. It was very hard for me to stay away from church. Church had been my life, and I had never forgotten what the Lord did for me. But now, my concentration was what these people had done to me. I remember one time, about two or three weeks after I arrived, my mother-in-law told me that Presbyter Pete Preciado 
had called looking for me while I was at work. She told me that the presbyter wanted to me to go over to his place and talk to him. I told her to call him back and give him the hours and days that he could come over to talk to me. He never came or called me again. When the month of November came, my family was getting concerned about my spiritual life and about their future in the church. I was becoming spiritually cold and bitter, and they were getting worried. On Sunday, November 19, 1961, Sister Alicia Chavez, like every other Sunday, prepared herself and everyone else did the same to go to church. She came to me and said, Aureliano, we are leaving to go to church and this is the last time we are going to that church. Today we will resign from the church. And she said, Goodbye. The King's Four had been a great impact upon my life with their style of singing. They were into quartet style singing and had some recordings of the Blackwood Brothers, a great quartet singing group of that time. They had recorded a long play album that included a song called The Old Country Church. Once they left, I put the record player to play, the old country church. As I listened to that recording over and over, and that song in particular, my heart began to melt, and all the hurt and pain I had gone through became so real. I wept before the Lord and began to pray, mostly weeping, I played the song over and over, and I felt the presence of the Lord dealing with me all that morning. When Licia Chavez and the family arrived back from church at about 1 p.m., she came straight to me and said, Aureliano, we all resigned this morning. We have no more church. See what you're going to do. We are now under your responsibility. You are responsible for us. You are a pastor. When Angel Chavez, my father-in-law, and Abel Rivera, who was there to approach me, Angel told me, What are you going to do? I told him, Let's go right now and find a place to start a church. After we had lunch, he and I and Abel Rivera left at about 2.30 to go out looking for a vacant building to rent to start a new church. We went to the area of El Monte, California looking out for any building that seemed to be vacant. After 
two to three hours, Angel Chavez told me, let's go to Rosemead on Valley Boulevard where there is a storefront church and asked to see if they might help us with a room to have church. I really didn't like the idea because I had been taught not to trust white Christian people, especially pastors. We went to that church at about 7 p.m. and was and as we entered the church building, a lady received us at the entrance. Brother Chavez, who spoke English, told her we wanted to see the pastor. She said he was busy praying, but she said that she would let him know when he had finished praying. After a while, about five to ten minutes, the pastor finished praying and came in with his eyes puffed up after having been weeping before the Lord. My father-in-law, Angel Chavez, introduced himself to the pastor and then he introduced me. He told him that I was his son-in-law and that God had sent me from Texas to start a new Hispanic church. When, when the pastor heard new church, Hispanic church, he shouted with joy, praised the Lord, and said, We are here to help. The suspicions that I had about white pastors were true. He did not ask any more questions as to who we really were, where we come from, for how long we planned to use the church, and if we were ready to pay so much. Instead, he said, When do you want to start? We asked him if we could use the building when they did not have any services. He said, Yes. We agreed to have services Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sunday afternoons. I asked him several times how much the rent will be, and every time he answered, Don't worry, go ahead and start your church. When I insisted for him to tell me how much will the rent be per month, he said, If you want to give us an offering, it's okay. If you can't, it's okay. Just start your church. I could not believe what I had been said and heard. The teachings I have been given of white Anglo pastors were not true. The first service was on Tuesday, November 21st. Something that God knew I needed happened as I started the service. When I stepped up to the pulpit to start the service. I did it with a scripture reading and prayer. I read 1 Corinthians 16, 9. And then I started to pray. At that moment, I felt so moved and so touched. I felt all my pent-up 
feelings of hurt, anger, and pain being washed away. I felt forgiveness for those who I felt had hurt me. The anger and contempt I felt for those who had treated me in such a way for over a year vanished. I felt liberated from the burden I had carried for almost a year, especially for the last six months. Since that day, I have never spoken against any one of them with evil intentions in public or in private manner, or intentionally tried to harm anyone from the concilio or anyone else. Whatever happened, God has turned it around, and He has blessed me over and over again. The second service was Thanksgiving Day, and we all had much to be thankful for. The church had started with 16 people, mostly of the Chavez and Rivera families. I suggested several names for the church to be identified and asked the people to help me decide. We all chose Iglesia del Redentor, which could easily be translated to English. In late January 1962, we began the process of incorporating as a non-profit religious corporation, which was finalized by early July. In the early summer of 1962, we began to look for a place or church building to buy. I was notified of the church building at Pacific and Vineland in Baldwin Park that was for sale. We made an appointment and we met with the pastor. He told us that they wanted $10,000 down and be approved for financing the note. I got busy looking everywhere for down payment money and financing. I visited every bank and financial lending institution that I found out about or was recommended to me. I filled out forms, and in some of those institutions, they just heard me and told me, you do not have church affiliation. You do not have a church with a credit history. Or very plainly, no, we cannot lend you anything. In one of the meetings with the members, I reported to them what I had accomplished, nothing. I remember telling them, we cannot get the church now, but let's vote and answer the question, do we want the church? They all responded in the affirmative. It was sometime in July 1962, and we had about $800 in the building fund. 
when I had asked them if we wanted the church and the answer came in the affirmative, I told them, then let's believe, let's work, let's save money and wait and we will have the money very soon. By Thanksgiving Day, we had about $2,500 under the leadership of Sister Licia Chavez an organized team was formed for making and selling tamales to build the fund. She had never done that kind of work before, but she got together with Sister Eleonore Rios, and she taught Sister Licia the art of making good tamales. When Rosa Chavez got saved in the summer of 19. 62, she immediately joined Sister Licia in, in the enterprise. The fund for the new building was growing, and by the end of the year, it was getting closer to $5,000. During the time between Christmas and New Year, an Anglo-American brother named Brother Fox visited us in one of the services and heard that we were looking for a church building. He told us that in Baldwin Park there was a church for sale and proceeded to give us details where it was, how big and nice it was. I asked him, is that the church at the corner of Pacific and Vineland? And he said, yes. I told him that we already knew about that church, had spoken to them in July, but that we could not come up with $10,000 down payment. He answered, oh no, they only won 5000 Immediately, we were in contact with the Church of God. And when I asked them about the $5,000 down payment, he told me, well, we want 10000 but if you don't have that amount, we will take the 5000 on a contract of sale, and the property will not go through escrow until we receive the rest of the money. We consulted with our attorney who recommended against the purchase. We consulted with the church, and upon my recommendation, all agreed to go with a contract of sale. In the early part of January 1963, we started all the negotiations, signed the paperwork, and concluded the sale by the first week of February. The church building needed a lot of work of updating and remodeling to satisfy our needs. Prior to this time, Brother Louis Millan was sent by the Lord to help. He was an energetic young man in his thirties, full of enthusiasm, faith, and vision. He was a tremendous inspiration to me and to the whole church. 
we set the date of March 16, 1963 as the date of dedication. In a month and a half, we painted the church inside, including all the Sunday schools and rooms. For the outside, Tim Aguilar suggested to color replaster the whole building. Louis suggested a modern lit-up sign outside with a big lit-up cross on top. We also bought a brand new organ for my wife to play. We spent about $10,000 for repairs. This was money that we did not have, but the Lord just made it appear from different sources, including a loan from Angel Chavez, who mortgaged his house to see the church through this time. Just seeing the unity and excitement of the members and the specialist workers that appear, people working nights and weekends, and the Lord providing finances before my eyes, and the eyes of the congregation was so moving beyond words. I remember Brother Ed Chavez, at the time a young man of about 21 years, exclaiming in excitement, Who can believe that we are doing this? Indeed, we were doing it, but truly it was the Lord who gave it to us, and to Him be the glory. How the church dedication went is something that I rejoice in retelling. We scheduled the weekend of March 16, 1963 for the dedication with a Friday concert and a Saturday afternoon service. I invited Dr. Carlos Madrigal, my professor and mentor, since I reconnected with him in November 1961. When I went to him two days after I started the church, he gave me full spiritual and legal support. We also invited Sister Felisa Fernandez, a great woman of God, and an old Chavez family friend, who was a great and powerful preacher I invited for Sunday afternoon. For the evening service, I invited the young evangelist from Santiago, Chile, who was still in Bible school, Francisco Anavalon, to start revival meetings. He was a powerful preacher who had blessed the church in a great revival in the summer of 1962 just a few months back. Needless to say that we were overscheduled with services and activities. Friday, one service, Saturday, two, and Sunday, three. At 7 p.m. Sunday evening, we started the final service of the weekend with the start of the first day of revival. We were all exhausted. I opened the service, prayed, 
and pass the service over to Dickie Chavez, our gifted song leader. All the musicians were in place as Dickie started with the first song. There was exhaustion in most of the people, but there was also something extraordinary and supernatural from God coming down. The first song was really the end of a normal service. The presence of God was very real, and we were prostrated, praising God, rejoicing, and receiving from God. The service went on that way until about 11 p.m. People were ministered to, restored, comforted, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and healed emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Since that day, revival stayed for months on end. Since that day, the church was full. The next week on Friday, March 22nd, the Lord baptized me in the Holy Spirit. For so long I had ministered and done all I could in the ministry, knowing that I needed the blessing of God in my life. That night, I purposed, and some people joined me in praying that I would receive the baptism, and I did. All those weeks, the services ended late, especially on Fridays. I received the baptism late that night with the joy of speaking in tongues, and it was and it still is an uplifted experience that changed my life and confirmed my ministry. The church continued to grow, and great and mighty works were seen done over people. Louis Millan and Roberto Loya became such close friends and helpers and were mightily used by God to inspire and teach. The Lord brought me out of the concilio weak and confused and led me to start a new church. He cleansed my mind and my spirit, baptized me in the Holy Spirit, and gave me new ministry, a minister, friends. He gave me a church with people who had tremendous experience with God through our ministry and made us known as a people who were doing things for God. He gave me and my family a place where our sons and daughters could grow and experience God and be proud to invite their family and friends.